Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is Nick Lamley. Welcome to the future, babies. This, babies, this is a podcast (laughs) all about tabletop RPGs. But before we get into it, I want to thank all the patrons who pledge at the Dreadlord and Devil King levels on Patreon. That's HB, Julian Burnick and Ryan Wahab. They're now high-ranking members in our Dark Army, isn't that right? Oh yeah, yeah, the Legion is rising. If we need any any killings done, they're the people that we call on. Is that right? <laughs> they're our killing enforcers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, they're, they're, not, the, they're the guys. I don't claim to be a good military strategist, but I think the main thing is the killing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the. If you can get that right, <laughs> everything if you can get else. that right, everything else just falls into place <laughs> easily. Yeah. So yeah, thanks to those guys for paying to be in our army. Um, and but um, obviously, as I said, this is all about RPGs. And today we have got some good segments. We have got feedback side. We got what you've been slaying. We got the main subject, which is going to be how to do effective horror in RPGs. And then we got electro letters, followed by our award-winning outro. Oh yeah. You ready? You oh ready? yeah, I'm ready. Are you sure though? <laughs> well, <laughs> after the nightmare we've just had. Uh, after the nightmare we've just had, I don't know, but I hope I fucking the, hope so. Listeners don't need to know this, but uh, no. t- I just want to. Should we just shout out? Should we just say Bill Gates? He's going to be the first target with our dark army again. Yeah, with his updates, yep. messing everything up all the time. Well, I'm watching you, Bill. You mm-hmm. little b- bitch. All right, yeah, okay. Bill. Let's do some feedback. Let's do it. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. Alright, so um, previously we did an episode on a game called Mythorog, right? Which was a game by a mad murdering racist by the name of Varg Vikerns. Anyway, on our Twitter, I posted a video of me recycling the book in the bins outside because <laughs> well, I thought nobody's going to want to buy it, right? So anyway, the response kind of really shows what kind of morons follow Varg. <laughs> I thought this was, this was amazing. Okay, yep. so a bloke called Drizzard2019 says, Wow, imagine being so over-emotional you throw away a good RPG game because you don't agree with the creator when it comes to many things. <laughs> The amount of assumptions happening in that one sentence. <laughs> First off, it definitely isn't a good RPG. Second of all, I, uh, I've I've still got products made by Zach S. Right, that that's not the problem. Isn't that I disagree with Vogue's politics, although I do. I'm against murdering unless it's well, Bill yeah. Gates. <laughs> but I thought I, I didn't want to sell a, sell the book online, so I just recycled it, and I was given his book back to the planet. How can you object to that? But anyway, yeah, I just thought it was funny that he thought Circle it was life, all because. Mate. Exactly. <laughs> RPGs are born and then they return to the earth. I just gave it a nice funeral. Exactly. I thought, well, yeah, exactly. I thought it got more and than I... it deserved. <laughs> yeah, totally. But the thing is, we reviewed it. We read it. We reviewed it. Yeah, we know it's bad. Well, that, actually, that's it's funny you say that because the next one, a bloke called All Shall Fall, which is a, he's just a really cool cunt. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, any review given? And I linked him to the review that we had given, and uh, to which he replied, "Well, you're probably an LGBT SJW." Which one is it? Or is that like is that like a, a mixture of the two? 
I think he thinks I'm a mixture of the two, oh, um, well. and I'm neither. So another assumption there. But I, th- I thought that was that was very, very funny indeed. That's funny. We should recycle stuff more often. See what happens. See who else we can upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it, it's funny because it, it it's funny because like he asked his his whole thing like to try and get at me was like. Did you even review it? And it's like, well, yes, yeah. yes, I did thoroughly. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why we. That's why we owned it briefly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank. I'm just glad it's out of my house. Do you remember the shitty artwork in it? With like, there was a picture of like a stick. Oh, you like mean, a tiny... Yeah, I was gonna say artwork's a loose term, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like a macro set, wasn't it? <laughs> the, I've got one more uh, from from these guys. It comes in from a guy called Panzer Shrek, which is a great name, and he okay. said, "You bought you bought it knowing Vogue's views, so I doubt you bought it to keep it. Were you making a political statement? Were you virtue sign laying? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you knew buying it what it was, so why even review it?" I say the same it's, thing going, uh, do you even know what our podcast does? Do you even well, know we buy shit stuff for, for you lot so you lot don't have to? That's, yeah, well, exactly. There's, I think there's a point to a, a, a negative review. And also, I, I thought the main thing was that we it was interesting who made it, which is why we reviewed it. And, um, it, you know, it, it's just weird to say to kind of un- think that we're making a political statement or that we're just out to hate it. I wanted to like the game. I don't want to have to have spend money on well, games that, that I thing. hate. We didn't buy it to bin it, did we? Would we it, bought it, wouldn't it to been... see what it was like. And, in, and ultimately, yeah, there's no, you've got no you've got no, And you've got no use for it. It's, you know, uh, like um, bookshelf space is, you know, a limited a commodity, right? So right, it's premium. Exactly. So, you know, if you've got a book that's, you know, quite fat, that's shit that you're never going to use other than the fact that you get oh yeah I've got this book get rid of it just take space and let's for be a honest, new one I didn't want to put it on like eBay or the, or the selling groups on Facebook because I was worried that people might think I'm a racist you know what I mean so that's why I recycled it returned it to the earth there you go above the earth so yeah anyway, that, it's all good that was funny though it was quite funny. Um, somebody did also comment on how far I had to walk to get to my bins as well, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got a couple of uh, other feedbacks in. Pete Pete Jones, regarding our um, Tunnels and Trolls episode, he says, hey guys, guess what? Tunnels and Trolls has just come up on Bundle of Holding. Kenson Andre must have listened to your review. Check out the bundle. Um, I don't know if that's still going, but yeah, T T and T basically all of nice. their shizzle is um is is on a bundle of holding, so you can get oh, yeah. it all for like super cheap. Um, and do you remember last episode, Slut Boss? <laughs> yeah. So we asked um uh, our listeners for um shitty dungeon ideas, and somebody um used Google Translate to translate from their <laughs> naked in their native language, right? And um, for some reason, it came out as slut boss. Um, so Henrik Erlandsen, he says, slut in Swedish means end. So it was end oh. boss. Ah. Yes. Makes a lot more sense now. It really does. Although I'm not sure which one I prefer. Mm. Make sure the two, maybe. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Mm. But that's basically it for feedback. I just thought I just thought it was pretty funny. But yeah, um, listeners, let us know in the comments what book should we recycle next. <laughs> <laughs> and which one shall we make political virtue signaling? Yeah, oh god, I love it. I love, just love it when when they're they're so angry, they misspell things. It's like and it's, it happens quite often, doesn't it? Like you know, like anger anger defeats proofreading. It really does. It really does. I mean, Every that's time. that's why there's so many spelling errors in our products because I just <laughs> yes, I just write them angrily. You know, <laughs> that's, that's my, how we work. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Uh, also, one last thing is that Varg himself also tweeted me calling me an orc. So there's that. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's his catch-all term for bad guys. Which he called is... us an orc. Yeah. What Bloody... about um? Didn't um? Didn't didn't Vincent Andre? Something to say the other day. Oh, he did. Shit, I should have read that out. But how did you forget about that? I can't believe it. But yeah, Ken and Andre listened to our episode, and he said he absolutely loved it, um, especially the made-up history that we we um, said about him, like how he was a motorbike. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. It's cool. It's really cool when the creators listen to it. I was also quite. quite pleased to be insulted by Varg because as much as I hate him I do really like his music it's good yeah, music and you got acknowledged there you go by a celebrity for once <laughs> well celebrity but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but that's oh. funny you walk yeah that's me alright <laughs> let's get on to what we've been playing and what we've been slaying and <laughs> <laughs> one of these yeah what you slaying so um yeah uh destiny nick we've been playing cypher um which is a monty cook d20 uh open role-playing game and you've oh, been yeah. using it cleverly might i add to oh, uh you. to do uh to do a destiny game do a destiny game yeah do a, so, do a destiny game not vi- not destiny video game no as in recreating it but trying to do something a little bit different but and yeah. your, your own spin on it yeah I, I i'm i'm enjoying the hell out of it um last episode we had to we, we went down in this dungeon thing and it turns out the fallen who are like this alien species they're trying to resurrect this dark no, hive hive it was oh it was hive this time wasn't this it time. yeah yep yeah, yeah. yeah they were trying to resurrect this big dark evil god in in the bowels of this cave and all we could see was the eye sort of poking out of the ground and it was this gigantic gigantic eye and they had like a big wizard and a knight and we had to we had to fight these fuckers and that was like super fun really really fun and the the map was super creepy and atmospheric but my favorite point was there's a, a character called triton who's this really serious character and he had this um I don't know if it was a cipher or a magic item or something, but he managed to trap the boss of the uh, of this particular group of hive inside the crystal, and then he was um, asking. Oh, it's his artifact, yeah. It's his really powerful artifact that he's got. That was Mind it. Yeah. Crystal, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty funny because yeah. the guy was trapped That's inside it, yeah. this in inside this crystal, and Triton was asking him questions. He's like, "What were you doing down there?" And the man was like. I was trying to wake a, awaken a dark god in the in the bowels of this cave and bring about the destruction of humanity. And James is like, "Well, that was very naughty." <laughs> it's, just, yeah, it's just, I mean, there's naughty and there's trying to summon a dark being from from hell. You know, <laughs> you naughty boy. <laughs> yeah, You're... Triton's just incredible, and this is this kind of weird robot romance going on between me. Well, yeah. I don't know that it is is a romance in so far romance, as romance, maybe. Well, kind of. It's just that I I kind of see the robots as being like asexual. Do you know what I mean? Because do, do they even, yeah pre- do they, precisely do they have parts? Well, who knows? So my point is is that me and Triton keep accidentally kind of being really really gay with each other. <laughs> yeah, but it's so brilliant. But, I would uh, like to say that your shiny still looks great today. <laughs> Looks like your uh, hinges need an oiling, and I'm like oiling him right up at the top of his thigh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, and um, actually, uh, it, I ended up running a game. Uh, Nick unfortunately couldn't make one of the games, so I stepped in and ran a game for the yes, guys. Yeah. Um, as a one-off kind of thing, like uh, I did kind of a 
I hate this term, but an interquel, where it wasn't like a prequel of the whole thing, but it was like something had happened between the beginning and where we were at. And yeah, um, precisely, I had to, yeah, man, I I really really enjoy the cipher system as a thing to run. I think it has the has all the potential and all the fun of a D twenty game without any of the hassle. Yeah, it's so good. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a good way to put it. It's player facing, and um, I, I found that all you do is kind of set difficulties, and the players can spend resources to bring those difficulties down or mm-hmm. do cool moves and and whatnot. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I found I found actually, it's funny because you were saying that in in the Monty Cook uh, in the Monty Cook book. Right, <laughs> that's a different thing entirely. That's, yeah, not not Monty Cook's The uh, Tastes of Summer '92. That's a complete. That was a that was some cracking salads in there. What I meant was um, <laughs> in the Cipher System book, it says that at the start, your players are going to spend their pools like mad because you can like take yeah. your might, speed, and intellect and spend those mm-hmm. towards roles. And you you said that you found that none of us were doing it because we were all too scared of losing it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I ended up. What I did was I put in a lot of really fucking hard situations into the into the dungeon. So we did mm-hmm. a lot of sevens and eights, and the difficulty Ooh, you need to beat is kind yeah. of like is is three times that number, right? That's the difficulty. Yep. So what I did is I, I had to like some things like they were trying to sneak up on a guy and I said well he's already he's on guard he's already faintly aware of you so it's going to be an 8 so you need to be what would that be a 24 right yeah exactly and so at that point that's impossible to succeed unless you start spending stuff so and and they did and by the end of it they were quite battered and uh, yeah they had a few kind of really fearsome fights on, on their hands and things like this uh, how did the players troll. fare with that because that's why I've been a little bit do you know what that's the problem I think because I, I, I haven't been too I haven't had set too many difficulties at the higher higher ends so far. Um, I find, I find. And do you know what? I, th- I think that's my problem. I, hopefully, the other lot won't be listening to this. But I, I'm wondering whether the, I need to start at this point in the campaign. Need to start really thinking about pushing the difficulty levels up more now, more yeah, regularly. To, maybe, but to be perfectly honest, I think the way you run it is is perfectly fine, and and I I enjoy it, and it's probably better than me because you've actually read most of the book. But no, no. The the only thing I felt was. Uh, I just peppered a couple in there, so I had to, you know, yeah. a lot of fives, uh, which is a fifteen to beat, which is still mm-hmm. quite hard, or a mm-hmm. four, which is a twelve. So I kind of had a, a lot of those, you know, where it was like them doing standard stuff, jumping over a fucking chasm, uh, searching an area, things like this, right? But then I yeah. just, I just had a couple in there that were like, like, like really difficult situations to get them to spend a couple of resources a bit like in Savage Worlds mm-hmm. where you kind of want to get them to spend their bennies throughout the game rather than saving it for the boss do you see what I mean that's right yeah absolutely yeah exactly. just... so so yeah even if it's like you know out of three major roles in the game make make one or two now a little bit harder because I've thrown a few in but I'm definitely I, I, I get a bit Nervous for the players, I guess. <laughs> but, well, and what you have to remember is in in Destiny, right? It's got that cool mechanic where every time your character dies, you can respawn because that's a part yeah, that's of, of the game. Yeah. And every time you respawn, your number goes down, and you have to roll below that to to, to mm-hmm. come back to life. So the thing is, even if you set every fucking difficulty at a nine, and we have to beat that, it's it's yep. perfectly fine because. I'm currently on an 18. There's very little chance I'm going to die until I die a couple more times. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, that's I don't true. think you really need to pull any punches. Just make it as hard as yeah. you fucking want, you know? And, Wicked. Uh, but I, I must say, I don't think there's any problem with the way you've been running it. I really, really enjoy it. And it's very oh, high awesome. adventure. And, and like some of the missions we do, I mean, a lot of it is kind of like 
for the listeners' benefit, it's like we're in the tower, which is this main hub area. We've got our little storylines going on there, and then we're going out on on missions and and doing weird shit. And that was kind of how I did my session. It was just that they found uh, scanned the moon and found an artifact on there, and they had to go and get it. Something really simple. That was, what's the weapon called? <laughs> it's called Night Time, as in night. Shotgun of the Sunwalker. <laughs> It's wicked though. You've got that now, haven't you? So I have. Percy's I have. got that. Yeah. And that wasn't on purpose, listeners. By the way, I didn't like run oh, no. a game one you week did offer and go. It. Do yeah. you know what? I'm <laughs> gonna get. I'm gonna give myself a really fucking cool weapon. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. Yeah, no, you did offer it, and I, uh, they said that you were best to have it, didn't they? Which is kind of them. Um, I, I said Ryan should have it, but yeah, a fucking. Um, what's cool about it as well is that in Destiny, the video game, you got these things called engrams. They're basically like loot boxes or green drops mm-hmm. from World of Warcraft or whatever. And uh, the cool thing is, is that in they've they've replicated that in the in the cipher system version. So we have, uh, you know, blues are a pretty good kind of blues, a rare one, um, mm-hmm. things like this. And then and then it goes up to purple to orange, and they get better and better. And you get to roll a bunch of shit for your weapon, like mods, mm-hmm. um, different types, a thing that it could do. Like it might have a better range on it. It might have, for example, we have one that you roll a d4 every time you shoot to see if your gun just restocks its own ammo. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You got that. You got. Uh, it can, you can give you might boosts and speed boosts for certain guns. It's cool. It was pretty funny actually. Um, there was there was a point where Nick Nick basically, whenever we get an exotic, well not an exotic weapon or a rare weapon, we get to choose what sound it makes every time we shoot. And I I'm not gonna go into it too much, but one of our characters got a got a shotgun called the Bitch Fork. Don't know why, but um, every time he shoots it, it's it's kind of sounds like a woman complaining. And yes, I know he's terrible, but um, what was funny is that this player Ryan, when he shot it, he goes right this time. It says do the washing up, and he said it with such anger. It's like that's definitely drawing on real experience there. Oh my god, do the washing up. He's a man, man. He is a bad man, but yeah, the bitch fork is fantastic because it's like a super short range shotgun that's that's devastatingly powerful, but can only be used within like melee range. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I think that was a pretty cool mod that he got on that. To be yeah. fair, like the melee range thing is kind of interesting. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, mm. imagine shooting at somebody five feet away with with a shotgun, and there and it's like fuck, it doesn't even touch them, and you're like, <laughs> fuck's sake. Shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I love uh, the we- oh, the weapons are fun. I'm trying to push that kind of um, uh, customizability about it. So I say to the guys, you know, quickly do a Google search, try and find a cool ship, can't afford- find a cool sparrow, and let everybody know what your one looks like and stuff. It just gives them a little bit of. I know it's quite fun, and it's like gives it a bit more feel. It gives you a bit more of an, an attachment to your gear. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm pretty. I really like the ones I've got because I've got nighttime su- nighttime shotgun of the <laughs> of the Sunwalker, and I've got um, Chuckling Death, which is Chuckling my, Death. Yeah, it's my clown based uh, pistol. That's yeah, and it. um, it's a really great game, and I would check um, everyone check it out. It's actually a hack for Numenera, but it's basically mm-hmm. the same fucking game. Yeah, so it's called exactly. the what is it? Destiny Luminera hack. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you find it online. It's a it's a it's a word document, and um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. It's a good reference sheet, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I like it a lot, especially all the all the weapons and stuff. It's just a bunch yeah. of free shit for your cipher games mm-hmm. if you need it, you know. Exactly, exactly that. Um, so uh, in addition to this, I've been playing. Oh, oh I I was playing in my Saturday game uh, with with uh, Jeff Goad. I've been playing mm. um, some basic slash expert D and D. I did make the mistake on the last pod of. 
accidentally calling Labyrinth Lord a, a clone of um, of uh, old school essentials, which is bloody stupid of me. What I actually meant Ooh. was they're both clones of the basic expert set of D&D, which is like, um, same as, as uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess or D- DCC, like, they will draw from that same one. What's the basic expert set then, D&D 1? Uh, kind of it was like a, a a different version of old school D&D that was released that had kind of basic rules then expert rules you could layer on top and there were two different versions of it as well yeah so oh, okay. it's basically all the OSR games they pretty much draw from that one um, mm-hmm. or at least a lot of the retro clones that are based on basic expert set and uh, yeah I've been playing old school essentials which is basically just the prettiest nicest uh, version of those rules and nice, everything's yeah. separated into its own little book so you've got you know druid and illusionist spells in one cleric and magic mm-hmm. user spells in another all your monsters in one tiny book and it comes in a big box set which is really super fucking Ooh, nice very nice well you can still get that now yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is actually uh, it's it's a new thing. So it's a reprint, reprint. Oh. like a faithful ah. reprint of all the old rules, mm-hmm. and Excellent. it's it's really nice. And uh, uh, yeah, likely what I'm going to be using to continue our D and D five E campaign. But uh, yeah, so so I actually um, organised the game of it, ran it in a field um, near my house. Yes, you did a socially distanced gaming D and D, wasn't it? A bit of gaming, yeah. Yeah, then I got really fucking sick afterwards because I haven't been out in months, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, bless. You. <laughs> uh, bloody annoying, but yeah, it was good. It was good, man. We uh, we had a twelve-year-old playing with us, uh, James's daughter, my niece, and uh, mm-hmm. first-time player. She was absolutely brilliant. Um, but the whole adventure, I ran the one from Tough Guys, but in our D and D world. Yeah, and so I I kind of you know. It was, because there's gangsters in our D&D world and stuff. So I mm-hmm. set it in a uh, kind of Arabic-type city called Kazan, which I nicked from TNT. Yeah, and these guys basically, they sell uh, illegal drugs and have to figure out who's muscling in on their turf and kill them. That's just, It's a simple plot. But what was nice. pretty funny was because we had a 12-year-old with us, I just said it was illegal potions. So <laughs> yeah, fair they enough. were made <laughs> with dodgy go. ingredients, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was really funny, but some of the highlights because I tried to be a bit more over the top and a bit more silly with it because we had a kid and and because it was a one shot, you know. Yeah. And um, the her her character was actually made by my wife who who rolled it up and it was a a, a unicycling wizard and she used the awesome. unicycle to go off a ramp from the top of a building and land in the in this courtyard and started shooting everyone up. She killed somebody nice. with a whisk as well, which was amazing. <laughs> That's pretty um, decent. Yeah, we had a hobbit with a gun as well, and uh, yeah, he he shot so many people's heads off. And my brother as well, he played a uh, uh, an enforcer called Kelly, the man masher, this big woman with a giant oh, yeah. sword. And he recruited three skeletons, but so he wouldn't get noticed, he he, he put all like ladies' clothing on them. And one of the skeletons was like, "You know what? I really feel like myself in this." <laughs> and it, but he was like this horrible, terrifying skeleton wearing a bit of lippy and a dress. Oh, lovely! Sounds yeah. good. So, how did? Um... How did gaming outside go uh, in regards to, I guess, keeping everybody playing? Was the rolling all right? How did you do, well, do we, it? Well, we had to distancing? basically all have all have dice trays because obviously you don't want to yeah. roll into the grass. Sure. Um, the wind was fucking annoying. Uh, yeah, okay. He, my brother specifically, he's a, he, he's, his bloody character sheet kept on going away. I said, just put it under something. And <laughs> every five minutes he had to get up and run after it. Oh, my God. I know, man. <laughs> I was just like, you can't find the stuff. Right, but so anyway, bring a rock then. So bring a rock, bring, bring a, a dice rock. tray. 
yeah, we had we had beers and things, and it yeah, it nice. was awesome, man. It, it, I, the the only thing is, is because we were socially distancing, I shouted for four hours straight, so it was sure, yeah, it, it was really uh, taxing on the old vocal cords, but it was it was hella fun, and uh, the yeah, if you um, out there fancy getting a, the best kind of reprint of the uh, of the old school D and D rules, ch- check out Old School Essentials because it really mm. is um, really is super nice and it's it's like one of those ones you know what sometimes where you discover an rpg and you go right cool this is one i'm going to come back to a lot and i think this is one of them oh yeah. i told you i'm trying to not to buy any more products at the moment i know me t- me too which is which was a mistake that one actually i i ended up buying it and i was like shit and now so i'm I, googling it as we speak <laughs> I'm, I'm selling off some of my uh sell, some of my other ones anyway but is yeah it, if I, it, is it Neurotic Gnome? Is that the one? That's it, Necrotic Gnome, yeah, yeah. Ne- so, oh, so Necrotic, sorry, yeah. Neurotic. The cool thing is they've got several different <laughs> Erotic Gnome. They've got several Erotic. different uh, versions of it. So you can get the box set, which where all the volumes are, are, chain- mm-hmm. uh, are cut up, or you can get the uh, the rules tome, which is the full rules in, in one handy book. Um, oh, it is nice. Yeah, it's, it's super nice. And it's that cool little uh, size as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Um, yeah. yeah, I would definitely check that out, guys. Go into uh, go onto Necrotic Gnome website and check that out because uh, yeah, ooh, it's okay. really cool. I'll show it to you when we're uh, when we're gaming next. But yeah, that is basically all I've played, except for obviously I mentioned my Saturday game uh, where we've been playing Old School Essentials. Mm-hmm. I'll just say this. Uh, I'll keep it brief, but basically, so many characters have died. We've only got one uh, one standing member from the original team, and uh, oh, no way. Yeah, and there's seven players, so that tells you something about how that game is run. <laughs> <laughs> what was your? What about your guys? He still surviving? No, fucking. He's I was. Gone. I was like ten XP away from leveling up, right? Oh. And then, and then, fucking, and then he died. And now I'm playing a magic user because I thought, oh, that'd be fun. And my character's name is Tell the Powerless. He's he's the shittest wizard on the planet. I've only Tell I've got the two- Powerless. Yeah, I've got I've got two spells. One's floating disc and one's light, and they're basically useless. And there was a point where we went into this armory, and the DM says to me, "He's like, you know, if you put armor on, you can't cast any spells." And I'm like, "I think I'd actually be useless without the armor." So I just put the armor on. I've been fighting with a dagger, not using any spells. I've given up the way of the wand. It's just yeah, and and the thing is as well, the magic user has. Uh, I've got something like um, 1,800 XP to get to level two. So I'm like. All right, cool. Guess I'm just going to be really shit for a long time. We 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 had a fight yesterday with this like, armadillo rust monster thingy, yeah. And it must have lasted about twenty minutes of us just missing constantly. And uh, the henchman that we hired on the way out did more damage than all of us combined. So uh, <laughs> it was it was pathetic. Oh my god. Yeah, but great game, great game. Otherwise, oh, I love it, man. It, and and yeah. the, set, the the game is fun, the system's fun, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the way he's running it is cool. And we basically just usurped this castle and have taken over this village, which is fucking <laughs> nice. Fun. And cool. it's good because one of the players is a vampire, so it's his dream to own a castle. So we kind of got there pretty early on. Um, also, I just want to mention one more thing before we get into the main subject. I know we're running mm-hmm. a little bit long with this, but do you remember a while ago, I might have mentioned this on the podcast, but there was a, t- a Tunnels and Trolls book full of campaign settings that featured the worst artwork I've ever seen. And the it most was like, original artwork you've ever seen. It was, you could definitely call it that. I know that. <laughs> but it was. I do. It's so I do. bad. It's so bad, this book. And it's. Uh, 
the thing is, the, trying to nail down who the author is is really difficult. And it turns out, I, I put it up for sale that book on um, on a TNT group, and yep. uh, one of the guys messaged me and said, "Hey, uh, just so you know that that uh, book is a bit of a sore subject with uh, Steve Crompton and Ken, who made the game, right?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, why?" And he said, "Well, well, the guy who made it, he just kept on stealing TNT material, reprinting it, and saying that it was official and that he'd done it, and changing <sighs> his name, doing more Amazon accounts." And then I was like, "Oh shit, do you know the guy's name?" And he's like, "He goes by many names." And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> oh my God. this guy's so cool." And well, he's not really. Um, but yeah, it turns out the guy's dead now. So did Ken oh, do really? it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how oh, fucking I weird see. is that? So it mm. must be that the Amazon listing, it's like a pay, uh, a print-on-demand book, and the Amazon listing's still there despite the guy being sadly deceased. But yeah, wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and investigate this more as the weeks go on, but I, sort of, I thought that was pretty interesting. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned on that one, because <laughs> yeah. uh, we need to do a bit more digging. That's very interesting indeed. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Let's wow. do a main subject, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject Tokyo Main Subject Subject Alright, so horror in RPGs, right? I, I I think it's something that I've often struggled to do. I mean to really scare players, like to actually make them feel a bit terrified, a bit a bit like awkward, uncomfortable, like things like that, right? I mean I can make people feel uncomfortable, but not <laughs> for the right reasons. And I think it's something I've struggled with a lot and I and I have actually run a lot of horror campaigns I realise. But I thought it'd be a good good subject to do where we basically I'm gonna give my tips, Nick's gonna give his tips, and then we got some tips that one of our players from our game sent us so that we can see it from his perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just going to kind of t- uh, try and try and figure out good ways of of doing horror in RPGs, right? So, first off, I'll start with with my kind of pedigree in horror games here, because the first campaign I ran for our current group was called of Cthulhu, and the first mm-hmm. leg of the campaign I would say was was pure horror kind of thing. Um, all about these weird statues that have been placed underneath the city, making everyone insane about a cult trying yep. to summon a, a dead god, you know, shit like this. Um, I also ran a uh, an Umerica game. Now, it, it, I think this is one of the ones that I actually think went well, because Umerica is a post-apocalyptic game, and I ran a session of this for Nick and James, and you can hear this on our channel. It's called Just Passing Through. It's one of the DCC ones. Oh, and, yeah, basically, One of my personal favourites. That was bloody fun. And the, the mm-hmm. premise to it was that they were being stalked through the wasteland by this guy that called Mike. And Mike. he was just this tank-like, unkillable machine of a man. And every time they, they stopped him, he'd turn up more powerful. Yeah, and he would hum when he got close. And I think I think that uh, I used a couple of techniques in this that I think are pretty good. And it's th- one of my main ones, I would say, is, is never to show the horror fully, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the end of Alien, when the alien comes out, it's not scary anymore because you realise that's just a bloke in a suit walking in a yeah. crab way, you know? Yeah. And in the America game, I never really put the full cards on the table with Mike. I kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew a bit about him, but his his past was kind of mysterious. He never talked. He wore sunglasses. He barely showed emotion. And as mm-hmm. a result, you don't know much about him. You saw the guy fully, knowing he was just a man, but it was seeing what he did and how he acted that made him more than a man. And I didn't... Oh, yeah. 
I didn't make him some guy that's chasing them constantly, going, "I'm going to kill you, you bitch." He just was, oh, no. he, you know, it was quiet and creepy. You know, well, that was that was the creepiest part about it as well was the fact that it was so paced. Uh, this Mike guy, like he, you know, he wasn't like you said, he wasn't. He was in no rush because he knew more than we knew and he knew that he would get us eventually and, and that's what was truly terrified I think that's was the, the, yeah, the, that. the confidence yeah exactly you know um, and the way it was the way you, you did it with with the sound and with the humming and, and the fact that he was always behind us and we you know we'd make some headway we'd think that we'd lost him and then you know things would go quiet for a bit you'd take a breath and then before you knew it you'd hear these noises again and then you knew he was back on you and it was it, it really gets you going because you feel like you can't stop to take a breath and you know what that that actually is 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 one of my tips that you can use but you have to use it well right okay so first of all that's my first tip is don't show the monster fully but my second mm-hmm. tip and this is one that should be used very wisely mm-hmm. is um uh, literally make the monster unkillable because uh, between you and me as a dm in that session he wasn't going to die he, I, right. I, I put it so that you could stop him at each scene yeah, by yeah, overcoming yeah. him injuring him enough but as far as i i, I was concerned that guy isn't going to die you reduce his hp to zero he'll come back having grafted a new arm on or oh or, yeah or sewed up his own wounds and like that's it, it, it's a bit of a shitty gm way of doing it but i think that- no but then think of horror and think of the quintessential like bad guy think Michael Myers from Halloween he gets put down and killed in air quotes so many times but he's always coming back and that is like that is like core horror tool yeah, set you might in a see, film you might see the thing go down and for a minute you think oh they're, they're fall okay fall off of a window or whatever and you'll see him on the floor and you think hey he's dead but you know the camera pans back five seconds later and he's gone of course he's gone <laughs> you know yeah exactly so you can use that in your RPGs mm. I mean um, try to make it so the players don't necessarily notice if he goes down just say that he goes down and he stops moving do you know what I mean don't say mm-hmm. yeah you've killed him um, or he falls out of sight so yeah so that's a good one as well exactly that so he falls down or he falls down behind a rock or drops down of, like into a basement or whatever smashes through a floor and falls into a basement you get a, you know you can just about see the shadow of him in, in down in the basement but you don't see him after that you yeah know. and you just see him to, like the very last glance you get is of his shadow leaving the frame exactly or something exactly. like that yeah um, you know I, I it also ran Ravenloft and Solomon Kane but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely I'm not entirely convinced that those were horror games in terms of scary. Um, I think they were more, in most cases, uh, action type games with horror themes. Yeah, but that's and still you can still that's still horror though. That's still a variation of I horror. I think it is it's how it's delivered, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. matter. I think it is, but I kind of want to focus mainly on trying to scare the players, so I probably won't go into those too much, but um, one tip I actually found as I was doing a bit of googling yesterday was in a horror game, the the players should be fighting to survive rather than trying to be a big grand hero. Yeah. Right. So take D&D for example, probably not the best system for horror because the the characters are basically super powered in that, you know what I mean? Whereas when I used America, which uses the DCC system, the players were fighting just to get by. It wasn't as if they were saving the world. All they were trying to do was get somewhere, and they were fighting desperately, desperately to to survive and get out of there alive. Mm-hmm. And I think framing your adventures, you know, kind of like that. So you've got yep. this this um, desperate situation where it's like, fuck, I'm on one HP. This guy's fucking killing me. We're gonna get away. And trying to ha- have it so your players are just just scraping by if you can. You know. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. They want to feel like they're not 
immortal. They're not heroes. You know, they are heroes as in their characters are normally, but under these circumstances, you want to make them feel like they are. Yeah, they can be hurt. You know, and well, especially if they are hurt. There's a uh, there's a technique in uh, cinema and filmmaking when uh, during a a fight, the the people watching should be. Uh, sort of reminded of the character's mortality so they should you know take a hit and pause for a Mm. second yeah and that's just a good way man if you want to make if you want to make it scary and they're encountering this you know shadowy being or whatever have the fucking thing all uh, like like do something really bad each time you see it you know what i mean like if you're if it's jason Voorhees, for example every time the fucker turns up he's he's chopped an arm off a character or stabbed them and uh, brought them to a amount of hp within an inch of their life do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah just just make it so the whole thing is the difficulty is surviving not in winning or saving people or whatever although those can be kind of subplots you know what i mean and that can happen that can happen via the journey of a horror game totally but yeah you're absolutely right the fundamental thing is that they're just trying to survive this encounter or yeah. you know adventure as it were like um, as a primary thing yeah totally totally and then obviously if heroics come out of it all for the better but the actual outlook from an outsider is you know you wouldn't get through this alive <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I, I, one, one that I actually think is a, a is a good tip I've learned from DCC. Right, don't use known monsters, and if you do, alter them in some way to make yep. them horrific again. Mm-hmm. A, a good example of this is um, there's a there's an anime actually called Goblin Slayer, and I'm sorry to bring up anime. I know it's crap mostly, but here's the thing. <laughs> In that anime, they make goblins scary again, right? And it, it because they're they're just so tough. You know, you've got that like sometimes in things you see zombies and they have this like otherworldly strength because they don't care about overexertion or anything like yep, that. Yes, or the know? ones that can run fast. You know, scare the shit out of everybody. Right, because so- everybody was so used to the um, Ramirez kind of zombies that you know the the ponder uh, not ponder you know the ones that would just like walk along crawling and not walk like really slow and then out of nowhere 28 days later came along and just broke that mold with ones that could literally sprint after you and it was terrifying because they did something different with a known thing and i think i think that's really doable um although i would like to see a film with pondering zombies in it ponder yeah just sitting there holding their chin looking around (laughs) instead of instead of moaning and groaning and saying brains they're just going hmm why? Why? <laughs> they just want to know. They just want to know more. Yeah, shambling was the word I was looking for. Um, yeah, it's fine. It dead. works. <laughs> but yeah, like imagine if you're playing a, an encounter with goblins and you really do have to use a known monster. Make the you know make the caves and that they they have it really dark and make them tricksy and and really. Um, uh, do horrific things to the players, like uh, using their sort of uh, their their strength, uh, such as it may be. Maybe they jump out of it, it, instead of like having a goblin jump out and stab you with a dagger. Why don't you have one jump out onto somebody's head, stop, put their fingers in their eyes and their nose, and start pulling yeah. upwards, you know? Yeah. And then the, the other one comes out and starts stabbing you in the stomach because you're trying to claw the first one off your face, Ooh. you know? Something yeah. like that, you know? Just at least make them have good tactics or you know if you're going to use uh, a standard monster from D&D and a good example is the zombies zombies are overused they're overdone have a twist to them you know mm-hmm. maybe make them intelligent fast whatever or if it's an, an orc you could say use the same template but just say it's a mutated human with giant teeth and eyes and bulging muscles you know or something like that just to make them scary I mean uh, ideally you know what you should... one I like as well which is always quite fun is if it's um uh, the the thing that's attacking them is doing it against their will. 
So yeah, that makes yeah. it even more kind of creepy because you don't want to, this thing that's trying to kill you doesn't want to, and it's talking as if to say you know it's possessed or it doesn't want to hurt you or whatever, but is essentially trying to kill you. And then the poor players have to put up with the fact that they have to kill this thing. But you know it's it's a horrible situation to be in when you know. Well, and that. if you if you know the uh, uh, a good a good example of that is in Half Life Two, the zombies in that right. Their uh, the head crabs take over the people when they yeah, sit on the yeah. guy's heads, right? And you can still hear the person screaming underneath it as oh, they're shambling towards you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. That type of stuff. You, you, if you want to get gruesome, you know, and and mm-hmm. make make known monsters different and and like make them fucking scary again, you know? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, and I just got one one last one here, and and I think I think this is probably my biggest one is to read horror books and use some of the language and techniques they use, right? Yes. Because you don't reveal... In, in those books, you don't reveal the monster to the end of the adventure or the end of the story. or And you, you keep it creepy, this creeping dread and things like this. And also, the language used in there is going to really mm-hmm. help you. Because um, let's say for, to, to say, for example, I'm running a game and I say to you, all oh, right. Uh, you open the door. There's a big monster there, right? But if I Whoa. say, if I say you pull pull the door open slowly with a creak, you you hear some growling in the other room. Some something's yep. hot breath um, goes on your face, rather than mm-hmm. you know saying all the shit and just laying your cards out on the table and doing nothing with the narration. Keep your yep. narration fucking cool, especially read like Edgar Allan Poe and old Gothic shit. You know what I mean? Because that's oh, totally. And I was going to say, with like HP, obviously, obviously, yeah, check HP Lovecraft out, but obviously, same with Poe as well, because the language is older, it can be a little bit difficult for maybe, like, especially me, I I struggle to read it sometimes, but there are so many audiobooks out there, especially on YouTube as well, all free. HP Lovecraft, because it's public domain now, I guess, because he's so old. But, um, Mm Yeah, get a feel for the language. The way the way he used his words to describe stuff is fantastic. That that unfathomable dread, you know, and the and yeah, get a feel for that language. And you're absolutely right. Then the t- narration techniques will just come into their own. You know what? You could even use kind of the way that they speak often with those old poems, like the Raven, where you do this mm-hmm. kind of really slow, mm, bit like Triton from that. You could be at the table, just be fucking like, it is a dusky afternoon. <laughs> There is mist on the moors. Eyes blink at you. Like, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah suddenly that, the players are like... So for the atmosphere. I love it. Hang on, the, the, the GM's being really weird here. I don't like this. You get <laughs> them unsettled you... straight away. You just start speaking, to, getting right up to people's ears. Something awakens in the darkness. <laughs> would, you like some, would you like some dip with your crisps? <laughs> don't eat too many Oreos. You might get diabetes. <laughs> And that's the real horror, ladies and gentlemen. That's the, that's the real this, horror. It's, it's all, this whole thing has been a PSA. Don't eat too much sugar. Diabetes is the real killer. Not Jason Voorhees. Okay? Nope. <laughs> Nick, hit me with some of those sweet lamely tips. Okay. Um, right, so what have I got down here? So, yeah, so one of my tips I put down was... Um, let the players' speculation lead to their own madness. So yes. often often your players will start wondering what's going on. Um, if you're not giving them the full picture straight away, they will start thinking out loud. They will start talking amongst each other. You know, don't let them do it. Let them carry on talking about it. Don't don't make obvious hints at if they're on, you know, if they're right or not. Like like I said before, put that weirdness in there. So if the players start going, why the hell's that there? Like, why would that be there? And then like the other one starts talking about it, let them carry on with it, you know. Let them speculate what's going on, and before you know, they they probably creep themselves out as well. 
Yeah, because they'll come up with theories, and you know what you could do, even on the fly, just pick the Use worst them. of those yeah. and, the, and the most hideous ones, and make that the monster at the end. Just change precisely it, you know, on the fly, yeah, it, and suddenly absolutely. you've got this really creepy situation where where people are trying to piece together details, and they come up with some weird fucking Frankenstein shit in their heads, mm-hmm. and and what they're thinking is. Probably more creepy than the uh, the the four level one goblin encounter you had, but precisely you know. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Use that, and um, also like um, if 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 stuff's going on leading up to the monster, or if there's some kind of reveal, use that as well. Like you said, don't don't make your idea concrete. Keep it flexible because chances are the the through the journey of the adventure things will happen that will give you even more kind of ammo to use. And also you'll get a kind of insight into what does scare your players because if they are talking about creepy stuff that they don't quite understand, you'll actually get a bit of insight into what they don't like and then you can use that against them as well. So to keep flexible. Uh, that's that's usually a good idea as well. Like maybe just ask your players what they're really scared of, like casually in conversation before you run the game. <laughs> yeah. it's right. So, uh, hey, uh, let's talk about greatest fears, you know. That would be a fun topic. And then and yeah. they'll be like, yeah, just sort of uh, loneliness, rejection, that type of thing. You're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, mm-hmm. right, and it all right. down. <laughs> now you're fighting a loneliness monster. <laughs> if it touches you, you will never know love again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Um, but, yeah, so make things – okay, so classic. This is coming straight out of the classic horror, you know, horror genre textbook if you like but um this is more of a, along the lines of i'm thinking like more psychological thriller horror stuff like that things that get yeah, under yeah. skin um but it's like make things that seem normal slightly off for no for, for one reason or another um so that's that's what the, that's what they've said about you know making a good creepy psychological horror film is is make things seem normal but make them slightly different in, in a way that it's off-putting and that yeah. use that all the time you know use that all the time in your games a little bit I mean, of description that doesn't mean anything. Just add it to make that creepiness a little bit more. It's it, it's a it's a good idea, and it's it's why in horror movies you often see if they're investigating the house where the murder took place that everything's fucking rusted. They look at the sink and cockroaches come out. Mm-hmm. You know, don't yep. go full ham, but put a couple of those in there. You know, yeah, they're just yeah. In, what they think is they're investigating a normal house. They open the fridge and there's just something that looks like meat, but it's pulsating in there or some, <laughs> yeah, something. Exactly. You know, something slightly slightly off. Like for yep. some reason, there's mm-hmm. fucking coke in the milk jug. <laughs> no, I mean something yeah. good, not that, but like something like things are out of place, you know. Just, yeah, exactly. Uh, that sort of gets people in the in the mood to be scared. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're kind of like, oh, that's not right. I mean, I, a while back, I, I ran an adventure with um, Deep Ones in a lower stuffed hotel park, like a bit like <laughs> Butlins. Yes. And the good thing about that was like. I didn't reveal that they were deep ones, but I put the the you know the slightly off-putting, unsettling things in there. Like I said, um, that the guy's like hair is always wet and and, uh, and kind of like sort of uh, glued to his forehead by wetness, yeah. and he's got these big blue <laughs> veins that you can see throughout all out his fat legs, which are covered by shorts only. You know, yeah. little shit like that. And then they're just like, well, something's not right about him, but we don't know what. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, or just he what he has a mannerism about him that's just not normal, like you know, not humanly normal or whatever. But yeah, stuff like that. You know, put little bits of weirdness in there. Yeah, um, totally, man. That's a good but, one. But little bits to start. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what else have we got? So pacing, pacing is a powerful thing. So use it, of course. You try and get that pacing nice, and you know you'll get a feel for you. You should know how you want to pace it as a GM because obviously you've got the, what you what you think the adventure should look like and how it should 
ultimately end up or whatever but use pacing definitely and know know when to, to to speed it up a little bit and know when to slow it down a little bit yeah you've got you've got to read the room you know like yeah, totally. you got to, you, if you want to ramp up the dread slowly throughout the adventure read the room and start to start to get people's attention you know with 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 just pacing things make little events it gets worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right yeah pacing is really fucking important because you wouldn't have the monster come out at first everyone sees it then it goes away then you investigate <laughs> it right yeah, exactly i mean that would just so we, be mental oh my god it like comes out like, put, takes its hat off to everybody you know does a little cheers and then... you're all sitting at, you're all sitting in a hotel lobby right and then a monster comes in but he sort of shakes off his rainy coat puts it on a hat stand and then he sees you guys and goes whoops and then runs back out <laughs> wrong room <laughs> yeah, exactly so yeah pace it well you, you know forget a feel for you gauge it and pace it accordingly um, so I've put when the curtain is finally lifted and the horror is revealed you know if you've got a big the big reveal of whatever that may be then don't hold back on descriptions you know once it has been revealed at a good pace and the and the players aren't going to learn anything new then use the information they've got but use the description to make it even more disgusting now they could rather than it being a flash in the darkness and they kind of couldn't quite see what it is now if they get in you know if they can see this creature monster whatever it is big horror plot give it all the description it deserves you know because you've you've built it up for so long and when you finally do show it don't let it be a letdown you know really go full in on it totally that's a great idea and you know like when when it comes out when it finally comes out and they see it make it you know instead of describing it and demystifying it just make mm-hmm. it every bit as gross and horrific as they thought it was do you know what yeah, i mean and, exactly. and like the it movies the the most mm-hmm. recent ones are pretty good at that type of shit yes yeah, yeah, even exactly. when you see pennywise they keep it creepy with those like rows and rows and rows of hooked teeth and shit mm-hmm. like that you know yeah yeah, yeah that's, totally. a, that's a good one man Thanks, mate. Um, so what else we've got? A few more. Uh, so just got, but yeah, obviously same as what Harrison said before. Watch and re- watch and read horror, and try and do different genres of horror as well. You, you know, uh, body horror is not my thing. If I'm honest with you, I'm not a big fan of body horror, but I can watch it if it's done well. Um, but then also, I do appreciate what you know some of the effort that can go into movies like that, and also it does give you that kind of. You know, great scene. I tell you what, you know, I I don't particularly like body horror either in terms of movies, Mm -hmm. but I do um I do like using it in RPGs. A good description of 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 a a death, a really gruesome one, can be can be a good way of of unsettling your players. I mean, look at the Rippers game that we played at uh, Savage Con a couple of years back. Yeah, when when there was a like a a piano that looked like oh it was made of flesh God. and we opened yeah. it we saw these eyes looking around and they looked scared <laughs> you know what I mean when you played it yeah exactly so yeah be exposed to that um, and there is obviously a lot of tat out there but then also there is a lot of decent stuff and I would 100% recommend watching Bone Tomahawk um, I'm sorry I've said it a million times but people should check that film out because that is just Deadlands if you like <laughs> I still haven't five. watched that I've heard it's- there's a scene in it which is gruesome yeah, there's a scene that has haunted, will live in me forever. And even uh, my wife mentioned it the other day when we, when we saw a tree that looked a bit like something from that scene. Um, okay. But yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it. You got to watch it yourself. But yeah, get a feel for different types of horror. You know, you know, zombie horror might not be your bag, but try it out. There are good stuff out there. You know, you don't ha- like you said, body, there's some body horror. Psychological is fantastic. Um, anything, just try, try different stuff. You know, um, there. Yeah, there's so much out there, so many sub-genres of horror out there. So I would definitely, um, you know, try stuff out and, and get a feel for different genres. So yeah, maybe maybe just before you're you're running your game, just do just do your homework, man. And 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 like you said, just watch. Because I tend to do this if I've got a big campaign coming up, like a long mm-hmm. one. 
I tend to just get into that shit like massively. Like before I ran my sci-fi campaign, I'm not a big sci-fi guy, but I, I just watch loads. I watch like Star Trek, Rick and Morty, Star Wicked. Wars, all yeah. of this and all the old stuff as well. Like, and it really helps, you know, if you think you can do horror, good. I, I, I'm fairly certain I could do a sci-fi game, but I still did mm-hmm. my research just to make sure, you know what I mean? Just to get totally. a few techniques yeah. and tropes down, yeah. you know? But that's the main thing, exactly. Re- tropes and references. So when you start referencing stuff to that kind of genre, like a sci-fi, where you you know, where we, we created our own cool stuff, where it was like Rizloids and Pastoids and stuff, but it's knowing <laughs> that kind of language and knowing what's kind of the normal in that genre. So, you know, there's... Like you said, with sci-fi, you might not know a great deal about it, but you know, watch a few shows, get a feel for that kind of language, the way they are. That you know, they, they've got a ship that would normally talk to them because it's got an AI or you know certain technologies. Yeah, things, and the same goes for horror. You know, even if you're not a big fan of certain types of genres, yeah, just just watch a couple anyway because if you, you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. If you want to put it in a game, then don't you know? Don't don't do yourself a disservice of having to try and figure it out. And you know, basically invent the wheel a lot of good stuff's already out there subject matter wise and then you can take it and and turn it into what you want to do with it but yeah, it gives you that kind of feel for it go for obscure ones that your players haven't seen and then just rip yeah. them off yeah and that that's always good and then they go i can't believe you thought of that that's such a good I'm idea like, yeah, yeah, no, no, i'm actually no, no, a genius <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. So i can't believe you thought of a vampire named uh smackula <laughs> count smackula yeah that's that's <laughs> he's he's the slapping vampire <laughs> <laughs> oh god Blah! smack smack round your face with a rubber glove um, yes. but yeah watch it read it do it it's great it's a great genre yeah totally um, alright so Nick you got any more tips uh, yeah so just a, quick, well, a few more so allow the, allow the tension to mount of course we've kind of touched on that already you know building up tension is very good um, existential dread is always fun as well so that kind of feeling of being completely inconsequential to this big dark entity or creature hp lovecraft all day long it's absolutely fantastic that feeling of being so insignificant i mean you absolutely nailed it in the gurps game um when we played for a big boss and it was just like this huge entity that you can't even kind of fathom um oh no that was in um i was fun. in i was actually in call of cthulhu it was Sorry, the it was, was call of cthulhu, cthulhu yeah. yeah it was the very end and i uh it, it looked like a wall of screaming faces oh, but the, yeah. but the um uh but the players were just kind of in this limbo state in a, a vast expanse of nothingness as they mm-hmm. fought this beast just saw a, a load of faces and i used some really fucking creepy music to yep. uh to heighten it um, which I'll probably play a bit of during the podcast uh, there but yeah um, so yeah it, I think I find actually that was the thing that made me think about this episode in the first place was existential horror. I find mm-hmm. it, I actually find it a little bit difficult to do in RPGs to make people feel insignificant when they're all the main character. Do you know exactly, what I mean? it's a trick, it's a balancing <laughs> act, that's for sure. It's really you hard. nailed it, mate. You nailed it in that in that in that final encounter with that big creature. We did it. It messed us up, so you did it well. And that's a very powerful tool, I think, if you can if you can do it. If well, you can nail it, yeah. I will say because that was the one and only time I've ever managed to pull that oh, off. Oh so, no, don't be silly. I don't know, like, but I, I do think um, I do think that's a really, really interesting and decent brand of horror. And uh, but it's just I, I don't know. I find it hard to do. But if you it's can, yeah, one. just read Lovecraft, man, and get get into that because yeah. that's he's, he's he obviously invented the fucking genre. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. And then last couple are pretty standard, but always helpful. Is obviously use creepy music and sound effects if you can, and a bit of table lighting. Put some candles on. So, well, when we can get back round the table again, you know, bit of kick, bit of low lighting, some candles. It's always good fun. Props yeah, are fun and, and, and you horror know, as well. When a, a, a good investigative horror game can be enhanced by you having, you know, little recordings where you've done effects uh, oh, on them. Yeah, Maybe absolutely. it cuts out because the tape's mm-hmm. battered, things like this. Yep. And yep. um yeah, I, I like that because there was one once that Nick recorded when we were playing Call of Cthulhu online and you couldn't get it to play out of his phone. So the the NPC in the game was like, I, I didn't find much, but uh, there was this recording left at the scene. Hang on a minute. Wait there, bloody thing. It's not working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to play it on your phone. Oh, I like that you stayed in character though. That was what made it because you was like, "This record player it never works." <laughs> yeah, nineteen twenties. Yeah, oh, no, but that was fun. But yeah, but I would definitely say, like you said, you know, you've, we've done it before when you lost lost tapes, lost footage, stuff like that. It's always really good fun. Bit of effects on there, you know, creepy yeah. clues, creepy props. But that's about no, it, really. I reckon. I think I think there's some very very good tips in there. Definitely. Um, I I, I think I think overall. I think the biggest ones have got to be the, the the mystery and the the pacing. Those are probably the two most important things. And everything mm-hmm. else kind of is definitely going to help you. And and like you said about music, you know, try try trying to run a serious fucking horror game with Britney Spears on the background. It ain't going to happen, <laughs> right? So just put something creepy on. Exactly. Um, just to wrap this segment off, though, I just I wanted to kind of uh, we got one of our players, uh, James, has sent us his tips. He, he never GMs; he's only a player, and I think it would be interesting just to see what he thinks from uh, a player's perspective. So he yeah. sent in a couple of tips, and he says he he also says use music, something subtle and monotonous and eerie, which mm-hmm. is perfectly reasonable. He said descriptions are key to making a good horror, particularly with hints towards role playing, like you feel like you're being watched or things like mm-hmm. that. Which is, yeah, perfect. And we said that, you know, uh, descriptions are bloody important, but also kind of filling these guys with imagery that they're familiar with, you know, like Mm -hmm. that feeling of being alone and hearing something go bump in the night, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. He also says that he thinks horrors must be investigative-type campaigns, and uh, while those aren't the best, I do think there are other ways of doing it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's a, a guy who I watch on YouTube called Dungeon Craft, very, very, uh, very clever good. bloke. Yeah, yeah, he does a lot of good stuff. And yeah. he's he basically, his games are always horrific. And he's got this yeah. great fucking adventure uh, set in a maze that he talks about where there's a minotaur in the maze. And the minotaur is actually like this really beefy village idiot who's uh, t- cut the head off a bull and wears it. And he'll come at you in the... Uh, in the dungeon hit you a couple of times with this giant hammer and then and then back away scared and oh. running into the darkness and it's like that type of thing you know it's it, it can, it's really really effective it's harder to do in non-investigative campaigns but you can uh-huh. do it i think that's cool no that's really really cool there's a um there's a there's a you know my book of fear sharp needles oh yeah um from stiggy and fox there's a there's a bunch of adventures in there and one of them is the archetype you know archetype of the um you know the 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 guy that's after you that doesn't stop kind of a la halloween type thing and that's nice yeah that kind of masked killer that never stops after you and it's very much um yeah it's not so much investigation more survival so yeah it can be done but yeah you're right with the with the with the tension investigation does obviously go hand in hand because you need to the more you learn the more it can get creepy yeah yeah exactly and and it's so much easier to pace with an investigation yeah, type yeah. game as well you know um, 
last one, um, he says, is to literally scare people at the table by making them jump somehow. And I've always wanted to do that, but I feel bad, you know? Like, you just... <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's, there's a guy I know, actually, Scott W. Um, he's the writer of OS and R. He's his own role-playing system. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Um, he he's a big Call of Cthulhu GM, and what he does is when he GMs, he doesn't stand in one place. He oh kind of stalk, yeah. he stalks around the table, and if somebody's just uh, he'll he'll be w- walking around the table, and he'll be like, and it's completely quiet. There's not a sound except for the uh, the crickets, and then he'll suddenly grab somebody by the shoulders and go, ah, nah, 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 and something <laughs> comes out, and it's really <laughs> angry. <laughs> And this guy's quite a big guy, isn't he? He's huge. That's the problem. And I don't mean fat. I mean, he's he's a very massive no, guy. So if he squeezes guy, you, yeah. you're going to know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a good, that's a good idea. I don't know how long it would take for that to get old, but it would be bloody funny. And Do you especially... know what? Even if you threw a few in, just like some jumpy bits or like, yeah, some random where you just shout or something and just... Yeah, make a jump. But you, you know probably get you away could, that a couple You know what of you could do in in a similar vein, right? What you could do is if you're running a horror game, let's say it's about a uh, creepy bloke with a chainsaw and he wears a mask, right? You're doing a yep. slasher horror game, right? And then right at the apex of the game, you just go, "Oh, sorry guys, do you mind? I just need to look something up in this book." And you're you're sitting there, you're looking, you're flipping pages, but you've hired an actor to burst <laughs> through the door with a chainsaw <laughs> and saw the fucking table in half, and he comes in suddenly, everyone's like, "Shit, it was real!" But then you. <laughs> as the GM also looks scared like shit I don't know why this is happening my creation has come to life you've nailed it you've absolutely <laughs> it. nailed it that's the one if you've got the budget employ <laughs> amateur certainly. actors <laughs> it'll probably be like around here it'll be like sort of community theatre types that really overact in that kind of you know Shakespeare way it'll be like um, they just come oh, in they're God. like I'm going to kill you Damn you all! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! You promised but- there'd be two bags of crisps. <laughs> I remember once actually. This is really bad, but I remember once actually when I was working in in the bank and I had to pack, take people's details down for accounts. And a guy came in and uh, I, I was signing them up for account. And he said, um, he goes to me. Uh, no, I, I said to him, "What? Well, so, so, what's your occupation?" And he went, "I'm an actor," and I just put unemployed. <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad. I just, I just assumed. I just put two and two together. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, All right. Dear. I think that's going to be it for our, uh, our sort of horror tips. Um, we're going to do some electro letters next, and uh, yeah. So take all those tips with you, and if you've got any tips as well, send them in. We'll read them out please. in the uh, feedback section next week. Yeah, we're no, we're no experts, so please let us know what your best horror tips are, and if you do use our tips, let us know how you get on with them. And um, yeah, we're always looking for more tips as well. So yeah, if you if you've Absolutely. got anything that we haven't touched on, please let us know. All right, let's do some letters. Oh yeah. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. All right, so so last uh, last episode we did uh, like we we asked you guys if you want to annoy your players in the worst way possible and make the shittest dungeon known to man. How would you do it? And this time, I think we're gonna we're gonna go in. We're gonna do some uh, some good dungeons. Like if yeah. you want to make if you want to make a good dungeon or or adventure like that in your in your campaigns, how do you go about doing it? And we ask for mm-hmm. your tips. We'll probably give some uh, like a tip at the end or something like that. Our one, yeah. I've just yeah. well, I've just thought of I've just thought of something actually. So see if it pops up or not. 
Well, wh- why don't we? Why don't, yeah, hold on to that till the end. Let's mm-hmm. keep the listeners in suspense. Oh, tension. Actually, can you hear that? There's a guy with a chainsaw coming. No, I'm just kidding. Ah! Uh, all right. So, Yorkus Rex he says, if you aren't using online maps or pre pre built terrain, keep the architecture simple. Trying to describe a thirteen cornered room with walls of unequal length and height can be a nightmare. Yeah, so that's yep. a good one. Because um, yep. you know, especially if you've got your players drawing their own maps as they're going through a dungeon. I mean, it's a fucking nightmare. I tried to do it once with my brother playing where he was playing a game, and he just he was like, "What? So is it to the left?" And he yeah. he always gets his left and right wrong. But so trying to describe like a really complicated room is going to be fucking stupid. Uh, that's um, a, yeah, I agree with that. Don't worry about the don't worry about the actual layout of the room if it's all in theatre of the minds. Just go more on the description and the smells and the taste and that. I guess. Well, in the five e in the taste. You lick the dungeon. This this room tastes like a room. It's a salt and vinegar dungeon. (laughs) So, um, well, actually, in the 5e game that we played, I I mainly used terrain and no maps, so I kept the architecture really simple. It probably felt like a labyrinth at certain points, but if you'd have seen my drawings, a lot of them were a straight line. Oh, really? See, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, um, but I kind of had, you know, diverging paths and things like this, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Timothy Peer, he says, make the dungeon look like it has purpose or had purpose. If it was once a building inhabited by people, make it look that way. Leave signs that people worked, ate, and slept there. Yeah. Too, too right, man. I mean, this Love is why that. I kind of didn't really like the Barrow Maze that much. Because although it was all supposed to be uh, Barrow Mounds and burial tombs yep. and shit, a lot of it was just your, your classic plain ass fucking stone wall mossy dungeon you see what <laughs> yeah, i mean totally and totally. it's like no, that's what, was, absolutely what was right. the purpose of this previously you know it can be as simple as just going yeah well they made it unbelievably complicated so that people couldn't get the treasure at the end even that is better than just going yep yeah, you go down and it's a bunch of random monsters in a fucking stone dungeon do and they I mean? don't know why they're there yet no exactly and it totally and it touches on horror again do you know what i mean because as a child i don't know about you but one of the most the best plot and I absolutely loved it and it, it you know it was just incredible was you remember in Aliens number two yeah uh, remember the whole the whole idea is that there's a mining colony and um, you know they've gone quiet and they send a, a, a team of uh, marines in to find out what happened yeah and you get there it's all quiet you know the structure's still there and the whole thing is finding out what the hell happened and why they've all gone quiet and they get in and there's signs that they was there but there was a struggle and they're slowly piecing together what happened that feeling when I was watching that film for the first time never left me and there's an excitement in that that is just incredible going to the old finding out what happened before and why it's no longer like this like I said what was the purpose before why did all these people flee uh, you yeah, know because that, you, that is you, so much fun you look at um, Bioshock right which is basically mm-hmm. exactly. one big dungeon crawl and yep. everyone's gone insane because of the uh, medications they were taking I forgot what they were called but the, the powers they inject into themselves oh, so, uh, they were um, uh, plasmids 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 that's it yep right so if you're doing your, your little dungeon in your D&D game you know don't yeah have a reason because otherwise mm-hmm. people are ju- it's just going to be like it's dull you know you want that sense of discovery that you mentioned about the aliens exactly. thing you know yeah um, exactly that 
Luis Pineda, he says, and he's got a couple here, so I'm just going to go through these. He says, there has to be a reason it's there for the first place. Yep, we've got covered that. He says, natural hazards. If it's in a valley, there might be water throughout. Trudging through ankle, knee-deep water means you can't really be quiet and you can't see what's in the water waiting for, for prey. Mm-hmm. Crumbling rock, sealed chambers with toxic natural fumes. Ooh, there's, yeah. a re- there's a reason miners always bought a canary with them. And that's a fucking good tip. One I've probably yeah, a good tip. never mm-hmm. done. Yeah, um, that's true. Inhabitants or other explorers. Signs there might be uh, living there or had been there before. If you mention there's an arrow drawn in chalk on a wall you uh, uh, or you find a recently snuffed campfire, it puts you on edge. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a great idea. And what yeah. would be cool as well, um, he's talking about inhabitants. What if it, it, a lot of the dungeons, they're, they're like ancient things that have been long since abandoned or it's people died or whatever. What if just a bunch of homeless people moved in? And, yeah, uh, yeah, bless they, them. Yeah. And, <laughs> Why and are you attacking really, me? Yeah, they're just, and then suddenly you've got a revolt on your hands. These guys, you were invading their house, right? And they're they're angry now. Yeah, and you know they 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 just want to they just want to live. They don't care about the treasure. But now you're coming up in their house. Or what about like yeah, another adventuring party turn up to the final chamber at the same time? That's awkward. (laughs) That would be fucking awesome. But they come through like a different door. You come through one, and they're just like ha ha. Oh, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> the, meanwhile, the monster that's sitting on this little throne in the middle, like the the slut boss, he's like, he's like, <laughs> looking between the two parties. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I love I that like man. That. Yeah. All right, uh, we got one from Robert Woford. Pick a theme, even if the theme is a funhouse ride. I hated a dungeon that had stupid ecology and made no sense. Perfectly reasonable. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like they put I hated a dungeon. So he's only played one bad one. <laughs> and he, that's and he good. remembers that's pretty it good well. Going, I think. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, ecology is a big thing for me. I really hate it when you have uh, a giant man-eating spider in one room, a group of goblins in the next room. Why isn't the yeah, spider yeah. eating the goblins yet? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a living it's, thing. When when, when the ca- when the spotlight doesn't shine on this dungeon as the players walk through it, think that it is an organic living environment after that and before that. You know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So because yeah, otherwise. Otherwise, you just got situ- You don't want your players to be sitting at your table. You're trying to create this immersive experience, and suddenly your players start going, uh, "What? No, actually, it's it's not right. There wouldn't be a giant in the same room as a goblin." So shut the fuck up. I don't do that. It's an impression. <laughs> That's just my nerd voice. You bloody. Actually, if you look at paragraph three, page twenty-seven, you're fine, trolls. Yeah, and so that's about it. Owen Lean, he says, make the dungeon a story in and of itself. So, yeah, I think we've covered that a little bit with, mm-hmm. you know, kind of piecing together what happened to a civilization long after, you know, things like that. Um, but, yeah, he comes in also with a general question. He says, when are you going to float 3T RPG on the stock market and how many groats for a share? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I hate our listeners, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Just, I mean, what what can we do with that, Owen? What what are we supposed to do with that question? Never email again. <laughs> but to everyone else, thank you very much for your emails. Twenty um, gross. Yeah. So I guess this has been a pretty informative episode because we got all those people's cool tips for making dungeons and things like this, and we got all mm-hmm. of our horror tips too. This yeah, is like fun. You do you is think this, we have should... we made a real po- have we made a real podcast episode? I hope so. <laughs> I think we finally made it. It only took us 64 episodes, but we've bloody done it. I feel like crying, Nick. <laughs> there'd be no one. There'd be no one at the. there be no one making a comic game. The actual interesting part starts at. Oh no! They'll still do that. They'll <laughs> yeah. still do that. 
It took or, you 20 minutes to get to the main subject. Yeah, yeah. suck my dick, fucker. Why, why is your podcast so long? Why don't you just do the main subject? Because we're egotistical, all right? Yeah, we like we like talking, right? So, sh- yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be doing a podcast. It's the sound of my own voice, man. I love it. I, I, love I really it. don't. I hate I hate hearing it back. Me too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> should, we, next, should we do an outro? Let's do one. Let's do a nice one. Well, the Penguins have made it. And they're going up against the Golden Knight. Interesting. The Penguins have outflanked the Golden Knight. They're uh, pushing in with a rear attack. He has now caught both sides. Classic pincer manoeuvre. Just the way the World War II soldiers were done in. Okay. We want okay. to thank you. We want to thank you all for listening to today's episode, for sending in your electro letters. I just want to say a quick apology because it's been a little while since we released an episode. We did actually record an episode of Tunnels and Trolls, um, which we should be. I should be editing soon, but that was when it's I got really ill because I went yes. out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's in the so, lab. It's all yeah. good. Um, but yeah, if you like this show, you know, um, you can support us on Patreon and just search for the 3T RPG podcast. Or if you don't want to subscribe every month, buy one of our products with 3T RPG Publishing on Drive Through RPG. Uh, mm-hmm. More products coming soon, probably after yes. the pandemic. And um, we, yeah, just, just, just keep it real, please. Okay, keep it real. Is that fair to say? Keep it real. Keep keep it real unless you're playing role-playing games. Then keep, keep it... Keep it strictly imaginary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lamley. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time.